And I don't know that what I say is totally valuable today, but I do know this, there are some people it connects to. And so my hope in each day is that I connect to someone and I let God decide who that's going to be because I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Welcome to the Stuff Up Podcast, where we delve into different topics to learn more about ourselves and more about others. And on today's episode, I welcome Tammy McMullen, speaker, trainer, and coach with the John Maxwell team and overall awesome, amazing person. Oh, well, you are too kind already. I like it. I love it. <laughs> Keep that up. <laughs> it's such an honor to meet you. I've, I've been Facebook friends with you for a few years now. I mean, this is the first time we're actually chatting. Yeah. Face to face or Zoom to Zoom. <laughs> And it's an honor. I wanted to talk to you because I really appreciate your posts on Facebook. You are an authentic, real person who shared, and I I mean, we're all real, but (laughs) you show your real side. And I have really connected with a lot of your posts because you're showing like you do post a lot of positive things, but you also share your struggles. You share things that are hard. Yes. And I think that's amazing because it's so relatable. Mm -hmm. Points of connection with people are, we all have struggle, you know, everyone's struggle is different. Everyone's point of connection is a little bit different, but I just think when you bring who you are to other people and you do that authentically and transparently that you can connect with others in a way that I don't kind of come away from some conversations where I'm just like, man, that was so vulnerable and that was so hard, but it was so good. and. You know, growing up, I used to think that those attributes of vulnerability, authenticity, and transparency, I used to think those were a weakness. As I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize they're one of a few of, I guess if you say them all three separately, they're a few of my greatest strengths. And they are my greatest way of connecting with others. And that's all I ever want to do is connect with other people and, and meet them where they are. And those three things, authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability, allow me to do that. So was that something that you've always been kind of attracted to or or did? Or was that something that you've learned along the way as you were learning coaching? I think I've learned it as I've grown up because I think a lot of families growing up, I think we all have baggage from our growing up days, you know, and that looks different for everybody. But in my family, there were a lot of secrets. And one of the biggest ones is, you know, we had an addict in our family from a very young age. And that went on for years and years and years. And we have over the years learned, you know, you didn't, you just didn't talk about all those things. And I I grew up going to church and I love going to church. I love being part of God's family. I'm a person of faith. And I don't know where I'd be today without that. However, I think there were a lot of times where it was, you put your church face on, you put your, your God face on. And it's not, I grew up, being very performance-based in my faith. You know, if I do enough, God will like me more or love me more. And I didn't understand that God loved me enough just because I breathed and that I could bring all of who I was to Him and He accepted me there. And it seems like the older I've gotten, the more I understand in my faith walk that when I am falling face down in the mud, that God meets me there. And, and that's how He wants us to meet others there. And I just absolutely love that. And I just... I just have always thought God's love is compelling. And if we aren't compelling people to us in in realness and in vulnerability, I don't think we can connect with people on a real and genuine level. And that I value that. 
in my relationships. I'm not a real surface level type person. I can do that a little, but I'm really great at crappy jokes and those can only take you so far. (laughs) And after that, I want to know more about you. I want to know what's made you who you are and what makes you tick. So that's, I think I'm just learning as I grow. Are you like an introvert and or highly sensitive person? I am a massively sensitive person. I think the best word, a lot of people, when I was growing up, I was real shy growing up. I didn't talk a lot. And as you know, someone in our family kind of ran to drugs and, and addiction. I ran to God. You know, I was in church all the time, every time the doors were open, but I was very quiet and shy and didn't talk a ton. People who know me now never believe that about me. And so I always thought, wow, I was an introvert and I turned extrovert, but I had heard an expression, it's omnivert or ambivert. Yeah. Where you can be extremely extroverted in some situations, but then you kind of need that, that downtime. And man, I've learned that about myself. If I run too much and do too many things and I don't take that time to be by myself and get centered, I get real off in in a lot of ways in my thinking, just mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, every way I get off if I do not take care of that introverted side of me. You and I, I think are pretty similar in that I'm the same. I used to tell people, I was literally in youth group if we were in a group and somebody would ask me a question, I looked at my sister and she would answer because I was like, oh, that's funny. I don't know. I Don't look at me. You know, don't talk to me. And so, or, and so now I just can't shut me up. Afraid of your own opinion? Yes. Were you afraid of your own opinion? Same, same. And of people looking at me, like, especially when you're in a group and you're the one talking and everyone's looking at you. I did not want people looking at me. It's so funny because I was not the girl growing up. I didn't have a lot of boyfriends. I didn't. I just was this plain Jane little girl. In fact, one of my very first boyfriends, he told me one time, he said, you are the plainest girl I've ever dated. And what do you know? Like days later, we broke up. How about that? Because I was like, wow, I, I know I'm not worth much, but I'm not worthless, you know? And so wow, I really struggled in my value system of externally, I'm not the thinnest, I'm not the cutest. And you know what? No matter how thin you are, there's going to be somebody thinner than you. No matter how cute you are, the you're always going to be less than for some people and more than some people. And yet, if that's how we're, we're viewing ourselves as who am I less than or who am I more than, man, that doesn't give you a chance to be who you are and be bring what you are to the table. And so, you know, I can be as insecure as the next person. I'm, I'm pretty plain Jane. I'm not super stylish. I can't dance. I'm ridiculous. <laughs> but I tend to count myself out of too much if I focus on all the I can'ts. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm with you there. I'm, yeah, I was very afraid to say a lot growing up because I didn't feel like it was valuable. And I don't know that what I say is totally valuable today, but I do know this. There are some people it connects to. And so my hope in each day is that I connect to someone And I let God decide who that's going to be because I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. Well, I asked if you were uh, more like introvert or highly sensitive because people like, like I am too. And we don't really like small talk. We like those deep, meaningful conversations. Yes. And I think that that's always been hard. And I always kind of got frustrated with people where it was so surface level. Mm Mm-hmm. But in that sense of, yeah, let's talk about these deep things and let's share that and let's share our personal struggles. And I also grew up in the church and I also felt like if I shared anything, it was Stephanie. Like I remember saying, because a friend of mine got me into soap operas 
days of our lives, young and the restless when we were in high school. And I remember saying that to somebody at church and it was like, and that was a sin. Oh, that's, that's a, a sin. sin. Yes. Yes. They're all having affairs and, you know, sleeping <laughs> around and shouldn't be watching that. And actually my parent, we had to hide it. My sister and I would like, and we had the big clunk TV where like, cause we didn't have cable. So when you ch- change the channel, oh, yeah. clunk. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the parents are coming quick. <laughs> Oh my word. Yes. But if you were to, there were so many rules. Yeah. If you were to share that with anybody, I'd just get like, oh, you're sinning, you're you're doing this. But so you felt like you really had to hide a lot of, oh, I can't say I like this TV show because that's bad. And so things like that. Well, and no kidding. Didn't it make you turn around and start judging everybody on the planet? There was a girl in our youth group. She went to prom. No kidding. I was like, oh my gosh, I love her so much. I can't believe she's got to go to hell now because she went to prom. And (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like David danced in the Bible. And here's the thing. I don't want to get all, everybody has a different belief system, but I was raised on the rules of God and not the relationship with God. And so I think that's how I became very performance-based in my faith is, you know, you got to keep all the rules. And so I didn't develop that relationship. And as I, as I grow along and I develop a relationship with God, like I was on my way over here today. I, I have a girlfriend. She's She's a caretaker, kind of like me. I left my full-time job a couple years ago or to help take care of my dad who's struggling with dementia. My mom had an accident in the home where she didn't walk for almost two years. She had six surgeries. My brother had had a motorcycle accident in the middle of all that and then ended up going through rehab a few times within that same year, having to have a leg amputated from his motorcycle accident. I mean, it was crazy in that year and a half. And now my mom's driving again. She's up walking again. My dad's still declining. My dad, my brother's got a prosthetic now. He's moving forward and we're seeing God redeem his time. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. But what I'm dealing with now is a lot of people who have gone through and are going through so much struggle. And, and I'm with you being that highly sensitive person. So I am drawn to people. And I've actually said to so many people, I'm the kind of girl that's invited into people's pit, but not to their parties. And at the end of my days, if that's all I'm remembered for, I'm okay with that. And this morning, I was what I was trying to say was I was driving over here and one of my girlfriends who she's going through taking care of both of her parents. And I'm like, man, I, this is not what I thought 50 was going to look like. And she's younger than me. And, and I was always thinking, you know, we're both struggling so much. And I was praying for her. And then I was like, God, you know, I feel so weak because when so many people bring you their struggle, you can tend to take that on as your own. And yet I know that God, everything God wants to drive us to a deeper dependence on him. And I was praying this morning, I'm like, God, I don't feel strong enough for the things you've called me to. I don't feel smart enough. I don't feel, and I could feel him speaking to my heart going, Kimmy, you're you. I made you, you, and I love you for you. Use that. And then I'm finding myself looking at him as my heavenly father and saying, but is that okay? Is that good? And so it's, I sense that struggle, even so it's that back and forth of, am I good enough? But God, you made me enough for the right people, the right places and the right circumstances that you put me in and you designed me for. And I find it also very helpful just to look at how we are all unique. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses. And that's great. That's fantastic. And our, my weakness might be your strength. And if we come together and we work together and we Mm -hmm. make these connections, it just brings everyone in a place where we can work off each other. Yeah, I I felt worthless as a kid and I still struggle with that. And so, but knowing that 
that we are unique and that we all bring these different things to the table. And then it's helpful when other people, when you do share something and people will come and say, because you shared this struggle, I feel like I can come talk to you about it. Do you get that from people because you feel like you're open? Absolutely. And and kind of what you were saying before is, you know, all the things we weren't allowed to do and means the rules oriented. And then I got to a place where, you know, in my teen years, I was so judgmental of everybody else. And having gone through, uh, when I was around 39 years old, I have a chronic pain condition. I've, I was diagnosed with 25 years ago. It affects every system of my body, my, my neurological system, muscular, skeletal, and uh, I mean, just everything, digestive and everything. And so I fell into a time of addiction from the time I was 39 and then for the next five years. And then coming out of that for nearly six years and then even over the past year and a half as everything was going nuts, even just relapsing here and there. But the addict in my family, I didn't understand. And I spent so much time going, but that was your choice. And that was this. But what I'm learning in this process of myself is everyone has a sin that so easily besets them. So meeting people in their struggle, even though it's different from yours, they're not better or worse than you. You're not better or worse than them. And then I think it levels the playing field when you're like, okay, struggle and your details are different than my details, but struggle is struggle. And when we can meet each other there without judgment and without, I heard the definition of self-righteousness is when other people's sin bothers you more than your own. And I sit and say, okay, but I don't want other people's struggle yet. So that really helps you put things in perspective too, because so mine was alcohol and the addict in our family, his was every kind of drug you can get your hands on. Some people do it. And for some people it's unforgiveness. And for some people it's hatred and bitterness. So, but we all have something. And so when we can level the playing field and go, okay, we've all got something we're insecure about. We've all got something that, that makes you no, know, it's the meeting people where they are thing. And I think that, and where insecurity is, that's a personal struggle thing where other people can... I love the idea of breathing life and hope and purpose into other people, no matter whether it's for a struggle or no matter it's our job to breathe life and, and, and do that in a way that brings honor to God and, our, and, and ourselves and our journey and helps them honor their journey and their struggle. I hope I'm not getting off on a tangent. I tend to do that. No, that's completely like, I get it. That's totally relatable. And when you talk about the judgmental thing, I grew up very judgmental as well. And so it also fueled my anxiety because I I was studying singing and with an opera singer in Toronto. And one of the other people, like the piano player, I remember like they kept trying to tell me like, feel free, like just, and I was like, no, people are going to look at me. People are, I'm so insecure about everything. And the guy just said to me, are you a judgmental person? I was like, oh, that's so excellent. Oh yeah, I guess so. Because I'm always, well, look what they're doing. Look what they're wearing. What did they... And because that's how I grew up. Every, you have to comment yeah. on everybody and what they look like and what they're wearing. And they shouldn't be wearing that. They shouldn't be doing that. Oh my gosh. That is such an excellent point. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you think everybody's thinking bad stuff about you if you're finding the worst in everybody else? Yeah. Uh, you, man, that's so good. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I was just, I was so shocked and then also like taken aback and like hurt but then I was thinking wow that's a good point (laughs) because I'm worried about being judged because that's how it was we were judging everyone else all the time 
for so long, I think I grew up like that. And I think that became a mindset. But this little retail job, I was a stay-at-home mom for 19 years. And then I, I took this little job at this little retail store in my little area. And customers would come in all day. And I would always find something about them to make an honest compliment about. I didn't, you know, I wasn't blowing smoke or anything. But if a lady walked in and I liked her blouse, oh, that's a cute little blouse you have on. Or, oh, those earrings are great. You know, did you make those? Or I love that hair color. But I have been, and I did that job for five and a half years before I left there to start helping with my parents. And my kids will make fun of me. They're like, mom, do you have to make a comment to everybody? And I'm like, what if that's the only nice thing they heard all day? But it also is retraining my brain as I go along. And even on social media, I'll get to the place very rarely, usually almost never, almost never. My mom taught me not saying never and always, but um, but right. almost never will I ever put a negative comment on anybody's post. And I, I try so hard, but I'm so human. I try not to put a ton of negative stuff out. Not that negative things don't happen, but I, I do try to present them in a way where I'm trying to find, I truly believe God wastes nothing. And so when I look at a situation, no matter how bad or how bleak it is, I try to say, okay, where is the good in this? Or what is the good in this? And, and even I was doing something and my husband goes, do you have to make friends with everybody? Do you have to say nice <laughs> things about everybody? Or, or when your server serving you, hey, there's not enough servers at any restaurants right now. And I'll say, man, you're doing a great job. And yes, I feel the need to do that because it's almost retraining my brain but it's being so intentional about the impression you want to leave on other people, but you want to make them think something good that day about themselves. Because I just feel like kindness is such a simple thing. It just really is. And like I, the girl I was telling you that I was praying for this morning that we were talking yesterday, she's like, so many things are going wrong. So many things are going bad. And I said, could you just tell me three good things? Just tell me three. And I don't, I always ask people that think something in threes and I don't know why I do that. And she goes, well, I I can't feel God very much right now. I said, it doesn't have to be about God. I said, literally, just tell me three good things, three tiny things. And she told me three things in the text. And I said, man, that's great. And I had had a book sent to her house called Out of the Cave. And it's a book, man, it's excellent. I've been reading it. It's about anxiety and depression. And it's just such a great book. And so she bought a journal to go along with it. And I said, I'd love to encourage you to open the back of your journal and write those three things down. Because... Then if you go, okay, I can be thankful for those three things because I thought of them. They were actually good. And I said, then I said, I promise you, when you start looking for the good and everything, you will start seeing it in everything, regardless of the circumstances and overwhelm and not good enough, not worthy enough. What's right about this? And I think it just changes everything when you purposely look for the good in everything. Yeah. It does retrain your brain because I was the same. Like I would, I'd be like, oh, my life sucks and this and everything's going wrong. And you have one of those days where like you spill coffee on yourself and then the whole day you're always doing something that messes you up. And over the years, I've been like, okay, I woke up, I'm alive. The morning is beautiful. The sun came up, like at least find something, even if I don't feel like it. And then I've noticed it gets easier as I go along. And I had a day where everything seemed to go wrong, but I was like, taking a stride. It's okay. It rained. How lovely. And the day that normally for me would have been like, this day sucks and I hate it. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, things went wrong and it was hard, but hey, it was okay. It was actually a good day. And I was so proud of myself for my attitude. I was like, yeah, I'm growing. (laughs) 
even even by the time you get home at the end of the day, you're like, okay, I made it through that alive. Even that's a good thing, right? Yes. And for me, when everything's going wrong, I swear, I don't like the expression random acts of kindness. I like intentional acts of kindness. Like I literally look for, and this sounds like I'm patting myself on the back and I certainly don't mean to, but I literally just, I look for God, show me somebody I can help today. Even if they just drop something on the ground here, can I pick that up for you? Can I grab your cart and put that back for you? Because my whole day can be sucking, but they might go, well, that was nice. You saved me 10 steps, you know? And what if the only good thing we did in a day wasn't good for us, but it changed the course of somebody else's day? What if their whole day had been going bad until that happened? I don't know. I just, that's literally how I try to walk through life and think about things. And I don't think it's always been that way. It has not. But man, as I'm getting older and I value it so much more because Mm -hmm. I look at people who the only thing they have to say is bad or negative. And I think, man, how much you're missing. Yeah. You know, happiness is based on happenings and not everything that happens is happy, but joy is internal and it's a choice. And I think hope, hope resides in joy. And I just, it's what we fix our eyes on. And I was actually sending scripture to this little girl yesterday because everything she was saying, a scripture would pop into my mind. And I was like, man, and I told her, I said, I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm not trying to lecture you. I said, but my hope is to encourage you because we, and a couple of the verses said, fix your eyes. And it is literally what we fix our eyes on is what we see. And so I think we have to be, we really have to pay attention to what we're paying attention to. Actually, you know what I like to do? And it messes with people sometimes, but I like to <laughs> tell me, I love I like, that. <laughs> I like to ask for the manager. <gasps> oh, and then when the manager comes, I'm like, this person was amazing. They did like the best job. And sometimes the manager comes and you can see they're, they're ready for like, oh no. Oh, yeah. yes. And then they're just like surprised. And I think that's so important because they get so much crap. Oh yeah. And working in retail, working in customer service, you know, most people just want to, complain. Absolutely. When you say, oh my goodness, this person was awesome. I love them. They made my day. That can just, oh. I'm literally now convinced you and I are the same person. I'm not kidding. (laughs) I have a bleeding ulcer and it was really inflamed not too long ago. And I was going to this little pizza place and it's um, called Mod Pizza and they like make the little pizza right in front of you. And I just found that the white sauce on the pizza bread just calmed my tummy. And I went in there and one night I poked my head in like three minutes before close. And I was like, hi guys, please don't hate me. Could you make <laughs> me a pizza? And I'd been coming in like every day because it's the only thing I could eat for about a week. And they, you could tell they were so exhausted. They were so tired. And so I was asking all their names and I said, man, I've worked in retail and people walking in two minutes before close. You just want to just stomp on their feet and spit in their food. I said, thank you guys so much. And so anyway, I called the store the next day. And I asked for the manager. I did that very thing. And she came and you could almost hear it in her voice. And I said, Hey, I just want to tell you, do you know everybody's name who was working last night? And she's like, I do. And I said, I just want to, and I told her that story. And I said, I am so impressed with your staff. I am so grateful that I said, not only were they nice to me last three minutes till close, they do it every time I'm in there. And I, I recommend you. And she literally, she's like, Oh my gosh, go online. And then tell me your email address. I'm going to send you coupons. And I was like, you don't have to do all that. She goes, no one ever says nice things. No, you're exactly right. And especially now, now that their staffing is so low and it's so hard, people, it's easy to complain. I mean, that's the easiest thing on the planet to do. Yeah. But to go the extra mile and look for something good to say, you are exactly right. People don't hear the good. And no. if we're change agents in this world, you know, 
we have a say in that. And yeah. I love that about you. That's fantastic. I love it. Love well, I'm it. not, uh, there are some days where I, my frustrations, I'm like, oh, this line is so long. And I'm like, no, because I've worked in enough customer service that yeah. I'm like, but it's that person. It's the lowest job of the company that gets all the crap. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not the CEO. I'm not making billions of dollars. Like, why are you yelling at me for... But yeah, I mean, I think if we all did, like, especially when you hear about the Karens and the pandemic and the Starbucks employees who are having to make like 40 drinks. And I'm just like, oh, my word, these poor people. (laughs) I like pre-bust my table and everything. And so (laughs) I'm crazy, (laughs) ridiculous about it. But I'm with you. I think things are just hard and it's hard to, to stay on the right track. And, you know, here's the thing. I'm with you on the bad day thing, too, because like today. okay, so I'm a writer. And when I first left my job and first started taking care of everybody, I then also decided that a book that I had written 15 years ago, oh, I'm going to go ahead and publish a book right now in the midst of all this junk. And so I go through this self-publishing thing. I didn't have an illustrator. So I, somebody, the guy who did my tattoos of all people, God love him. He called me one day and he's like, Tammy, I think if you can figure out how to take these pictures and then you can get it in this illustrator thing, you can do the illustrations yourself. And I'm like, shut up, I'm doing it. So I finally, I get this book to market. It finally comes out of January of last year. I go to my very first book reading and the very next day we had a tragedy happen within our family. One of the be- my boy's best friends lost his life very tragically. And then two weeks after that, the entire country shuts down. I mean, all of that going on all at once, it was just hard. Well, I kind of went through this writer's block thing where I just couldn't write and I couldn't write. And it was like for the past, I've been doing this for actually a couple years, but when the writer's block gets really bad, it's like, God will give me these little thoughts and I'll get on and I'll do a Facebook live. And so... This morning, just as an example, I was woken up through the night and something just popped into my head of a subject matter. And I'm like, I'm going to do a Facebook Live today. And my husband just got home from a trip because I ha- I just haven't gotten to some writing because I'm actually working on a new thing right now. And it's just the more time and effort I put into it, the more blocked I get. So I've been like, okay, I just really want to get back to doing some of these Facebook Lives. And I want to encourage people because, you know, I'm just this encourager. And my husband's just dawdling around the house this morning. And finally, I go, are you going to leave? He goes, I have to leave right now. And I'm like, seriously, I want to do a Facebook live today. And he goes, oh, why didn't you just say that? And I'm like, well, now you've gotten on my nerves and I don't even want to do it anymore. It's like, (laughs) oh my gosh. I'm like the ugliest to the person who's the most wonderful to me. And then I go, you know what? Forget it. I'm not even going to do it anymore. I'm like, I can't even encourage. I can't try to encourage anybody else. Well, and I'm kind of the worst to my best person. So you know, we all have those days and he's so gracious to me. I don't deserve it. So during those, any time of frustration for me, when I can't get to my writing or things are happening and I, I can't get to the lives or I, I can't, it, when nothing's going right and nothing's going my way, it is so easy to give into that, that negative Nancy sort of thinking. And you have, that's, it goes back to paying attention to what you're paying attention to. And today I had my head in the gutter. I was like, man, I just, I just want to do this one little thing and I didn't get to it. So I'm right there with you. It happens to everybody. One thing I actually wanted to ask you is like, when you do post about things that are hard for you, do you find that, do you get a lot of positive feedback or do you get people, I know in the Christian world specifically, we do a lot of Christian ease. There's certain things that people will just automatically say. And yeah. I get, I've gotten that lately. And I'm just, I get, sorry, but I get like annoyed because I'm like, I know what you're trying to do. We all do it because that's what we're do. But it's also, let's just be people. I'm sharing a struggle. I don't want like 
God doesn't want you to be perfect. And he, and I'm like, I know, I know. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm trying to be honest. (laughs) Right. And I just say that and I'm like, okay, well, I'm pretty honest on my podcast about all my struggles. So if I post this on Facebook, I mean, I'm not really expecting you to tell me everything theologically what I should be doing. Do you get that? I don't know. I just find that frustrating. I do get that. And and here's the thing, like with the Facebook lives or if I do a you know, real honest post or real vulnerable post or whatever, I do get the people who, you know, it's just ingrained in them to say the thing and that's fine. But the coolest thing that I find, and you may find this too, is when somebody goes to a text or an inbox and they start sharing their story in their heart. And I think that right there, because if I put a Facebook live out or a post out and it touches one person and like, even for me, this moderate relapse I've had over the past like year and a half, and and I'm, I'm doing really great right now and have been for a while, but I through a page on Facebook, this one little gal from England, we had no common friends at all. None. I posted one thing on that page. She friend requested me. Now we, we video chat in the Facebook inbox and I'll put posts up. Well, her dad friend requested me last week because I was like, God, what good are you going to use out of a relapse? You know, I had almost six years of recovery. And, and then there's this, this, and even though it wasn't as bad as it used to be, it was still relapse and and in the world of addiction, I mean, oh my gosh, you relapse, forget about it. But anyway, then her dad inboxed me. And so I was actually at a Bible study last week and they were going around the room and they were saying, what's one good thing that happened? And I said, you know, I couldn't figure out why, what good can come out of this relapse, even though I believe God wastes nothing. And this gal's dad from England inboxes me. And he said, you know, I've been praying for my daughter and I've been praying that God would bring people into her life that would just speak truth and love to her and be kind to her no matter what. And I'm so grateful she met you. And had that relapse not happened, no matter how brief it was, I'd have never met that. And she is in my inbox all the time and I'm in hers. And so, so I've always said, if there's something that I do that touches one person, it's worth it. And I could say her little name right now and I would be like, that's one person. So if, I guess I... I have to overlook the things that are people's maybe automatic things they might say back to me and go, that's not necessarily who I'm doing it for. But the people who go to the inbox or text me and they're like, thank you so much for that honest post. I'm going through so much right now. And that spoke to me. That makes it all worth it to me. And yeah, it's eye on the prize kind of thing. And not that that's necessarily a prize, but... It's funny though, because it is in the personal inboxes like for the podcast, I'll have people who will who will message me and they're like, listening to this was so helpful because I'm dealing with that. And I ask them, can I post this as a podcast review? I don't have to say your name. Like I can just say a listener said. And they're like, yeah, please keep me anonymous. So most people who message me, they just want to keep anonymous, which is fine. But it, it can be like, sometimes the ones that are posting on on publicly are like, blah, 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 blah. And it's the the ones that don't want to be known publicly that you get the most from. And it goes back to what you said at the beginning is some people, that's the surface level people commenting, but then the ones who go to the inbox, they're at the depths. They go Mm. to the deeper levels. And that's where you and I both said, that's where we connect with people. You know, we don't like the, yeah, like I get the surface level comments. I appreciate, but man, the ones where people come and they, they share their heart. And they let you get beyond the surface of them 
that right there is gold to me because I'm like, man, that's, I want my life to be used up in the service of others, whether that's an encouraging word, deed, or whatever that looks like. Yeah. And maybe it was even hard for them to say it because if to take that time, actually, a lot of times we don't take that time to appreciate somebody Mm -hmm. or, and so for them to even acknowledge that they were struggling with something and to feel that they could say that to me, I take, I don't know if pride's the right word, but I, I feel like, what's the right word? You're encouraged. Privilege. Really I, feel, pride. I feel privileged or yeah, encouraged that they would share that with me and take the time to even say anything. Because a lot of people not might, might not even say anything, right? They just scroll by or... I think the ones who do take the time though, it's because they know that you will hear them. I mean, hear them. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, wow, she's being vulnerable. So if I went to, if I made myself vulnerable and said it, she's going to hear me. And for sure, people just want to know that somebody is bearing witness to their struggle. Why else would they tell you they're struggling if they were like, man, I've felt so alone. I've been struggling so hard. And then you said something. So I wanted to say something. You're bearing witness to their struggle and you spoke to them without even realizing it. And yes, it is our privilege to bear one another's burden or to set out to encourage someone. It's our privilege. And that there was something I posted from an empath group and it said, we all just want to be seen, heard and understood. And for me, for so many years, I felt misunderstood because I'm highly sensitive. I was always like, oh, Stephanie, meh. You know, I was always <laughs> talked down to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stephanie, you shouldn't do that. Stephanie, meh. And so it was just like, and then I get kind of upset and I'd be like, but uh, uh, well, stop, chill. And I'm like, but you're not listening. And of course I'm getting upset. So I think that's where we all just want to feel understood. If I didn't get like in my last job, in when we were training for the different things that we had to learn, I had a hard time with it because my brain didn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people were like business type people and I'm not. So I'm like, I don't get it. And people would just mm-hmm. be frustrated with me. And I would like literally break down and crying because I'm like, but nobody understands and they think I'm stupid. And that for me was so frustrating. And now I'm glad I'm out of that job. But when I talk to other people and they also are like, yeah, I would feel the same. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I have ADD. And so for me over here, that would be hard too. And I'm like, maybe I have that. I don't know. But, you know, I just wanted to be heard. <laughs> I totally have ADD. So I'm, yeah. You know what? And for me, going by what you've said, being wanting to be understood from the time I was a little girl being so highly sensitive, like the big show for me growing up was Little House on the Prairie. And so I'd get to watch this Little House on the Prairie every week and every episode made me cry. Every one of them. And then my mom and dad, not thinking a thing about it, they'd be like, are you crying? And poke at me and just, are you crying over that? And so as a little girl, it was like I received the message of don't cry don't show your feelings. And so then sometimes when I am the most upset, I'm shutting it down and, you know, or crying in a closet by myself. And so I'm like, but you didn't hear me and you didn't understand me. And they didn't mean a thing by it, but they're highly sensitive. To this day, I see a Kleenex commercial. I'm crying at that. And I even understand that for somebody to bring you their vulnerability. Yeah, it is huge. And to know that they're, that somebody feels what they feel. You're exactly right. Meeting people where they are. It's, man, I think it's a gift. I don't always do that well. Highly sensitive people are the ones that really kind of change things because we we are, we care. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. 
the world is hard for us to navigate. And I think that's why you see so many tortured souls, like a lot of the creative people. I'm pretty sure Kurt Cobain must have been highly sensitive. He was just like, this is too hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to feel like this. And especially when you start to care, like I couldn't watch the news when I was working at my last job because I was so stressed and watching the news would be upsetting. Yeah, I can't do it. And then people are like, you need to be informed. But I'm like, I literally cannot because it's killing me. Mm -hmm. And it it kills me now. I I cry at the stories that I hear. And I just do. (laughs) I'm with you there. And I would almost rather like, for me, I'm like, I don't want to watch the news about all these strangers that I will never know when people that I'm very close to are going through struggle that that hurts me for them. So I don't want to know about all the strangers in the world because I, I want to know what's happening right here with, I think we're called to get involved in the lives of others far away and things like that. But yeah, the news is hard for me. Oh, the last time I had to go to the hospital for one of my episodes, I, I kind of collapsed at work and we went to the hospital. We're in the emergency room waiting to be seen. And I was covering my eyes, crying into a blanket because just the sick people around me, it was so hard for me because I could feel it. I felt what they were feeling. And I just, yeah, emotional overload, huge. Yeah, it's funny. I used to watch a lot of true crime and I just can't anymore. There was one show, I can't remember what it's called now. And they were going to do this case that I, I was familiar with. And as soon as they mentioned it, I started crying. And I'm like, I know this case. I've seen other episodes on it and I literally couldn't because it was so painful to watch. And I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. I'm even, I think more because I'm more in tune with my feelings and I've, because before I would just kind of push it down and like, I don't care, I don't care. And now that I care, I care too much though. And so I'm like, I can't, I can't even watch five minutes of this. And it, it's really interesting to, to see how your feelings and how your, your emotions are and as I don't know about you, but growing up Christian, like at least how my family was, women are emotional. Men are logical and women are emotional. So I just thought it was a burden to bear. I'm I'm hysterical. I'm a woman. And now I'm like, that was always just kind of, well, I was also struggling with a lot of stuff I had to heal from. So I'd get emotional over everything. But also I'm a highly sensitive person. So I'm emotional over things that most other people are not. And so to kind of have that pushed, like you're just a hysterical woman and not understand that this is a gift, even though it doesn't always feel like it, Mm -mm. you know, (laughs) some of our greatest gifts for everyone are wrapped in barbed wire ribbon, you know, and not everybody has the tenacity to to unwrap those gifts, you know, because it's going to take some sorrow and suffering to embrace those gifts. And that is hard. I mean, I think some of our greatest strengths are not greatest weaknesses, but they can be some of our greatest struggles. They're our most bittersweet things. What is it? Blessing and a curse. And so, yeah, the emotions when in check are good. And and so I have to be careful to try to manage my emotions because they can get pretty away from me pretty quick if I'm not careful. And so, yeah, that being a hysterical woman, you say to me, okay, first thing you need to do is calm down. That's the last thing that's ever going to happen is me calming down. No, not my husband's learned that smart man. He knows to be like, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. That's a good man. Very good man. <laughs> yeah. I always said I needed a guy who would just be a very chill, calming person to counteract mm-hmm. kind of 
because I have people in my life who I'm getting excited and then they're getting excited and they're like, well, blah, blah, and they're getting mad for me. I'm like, no, I need you to like kind of simmer down so I can simmer down because I'm being kind of irrational right now. I don't need you to also. And this is a man yeah, who thinks that women are hysterical. So I'm like, okay, you're kind of hysterical too. So whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're not going to get to a solution here. <laughs> Do you find sometimes though, when you do share your struggles, like it it can be hard to balance the, because you also want to be positive. Do you find that kind of hard to balance the, having the positive spin on this is what I struggle with? I do struggle with that a little bit. But one of the things is, is that you can't be the victim in your story and the victor of your story at the same time. So I can recognize, or I don't want to say validate, but I can acknowledge what I've walked through, gone through, whatever, but I can't get victory over those areas of my life if I'm holding on to them because it's given me an emotional payoff of being the victim as well. And so definitely trying to balance, not going to one extreme or the other, but being real about the struggle. Anything that's out of balance is out of balance. You can be, I don't want to say you can be overly positive. I guess there's a way to do that. But like, I think there's, you know, my mom's always made because she got a lot of corporate of passive and as assertive and it's learning to assert yourself down the middle of the road and so I have to be careful that I'm not passive aggressive that I don't go from one extreme to the other but that I be assertive and which is a difficult thing for me because I don't like confrontation so that's a whole nother can of worms you know of how do I have a voice and as a woman because people will assume you're like being bitchy because you're being assertive, right? I think that adds another layer to it. <laughs> yep, yep, for sure, for sure. Oh, or controlling. Man. Yo, you're just trying to control everything. No, man, I just don't want to open up a can on you over here when I don't need to if I just say how I feel. So it's an interesting mix. And a huge learning curve because I am I was always passive aggressive. And then it was like, wait, how do I assert myself without being too aggressive, but also standing up for myself when I don't believe that I I should have rights. Like living right. with roommates, it was like, oh, I just want you guys to be happy. But I should be happy too. Like you're also doing things that bother me. So I should speak up. But I didn't want to be like, it was so hard. That It's hard figuring that out, especially when you grow up in a household that's not very good at communication and trying to understand all that. <laughs> right. Well, and the other thing too is I, I don't know about you and I would assume we're about the same as anybody except myself. So that is super hard for me to stand up for myself. And, and I'm a huge people pleaser. So that's another difficult balance and, and trying to say my happiness or my contentedness is just as important as yours. I've never felt that way. I feel like everybody else's should trump mine. And that's not necessarily true. Right. Yeah. I think you, you and I are the same person. I told you, man, I'm telling you. And I know a podcast, by the way, people can't see our faces, but with us being on Zoom and me seeing you, those glasses are fantastic and I love them. And I would wear, because we're the same person, I would wear those too. (laughs) They're pink sparkly. (laughs) I love them. I love them. They're so cute. Thank you. Tammy, this has been so much fun talking with you. And if people want to reach out to you, how can they do that? They can definitely reach out to me on Facebook for sure. I'm on LinkedIn. I don't think I'm, I'm, my maiden name is not on LinkedIn, just Tammy McMullen. It's T-A-M-I, which is weird, (laughs) M-C-M-U-L-L-I-N. I'm on Instagram. I will tell you, if 
if anybody calls me, I never answer calls. You got to leave me a message or text me or whatever. But yeah, people are welcome to reach out. But, I, you know, maybe Facebook's the best way to start. My maiden name is on there, Tammy Yelton McMullen, Y-E-L-T-O-N. So, and they can reach out. They can email me at tmcmullen7 at Yahoo. So several ways right there. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're super busy and just, I really appreciate you. You're amazing. Oh, you're so sweet. And I love getting to spend this time talking with you. And like I said, now I know we're twins. We'll have to plan some more talks together. So (laughs) for sure. I love it. (laughs) Yay. I want to give a big shout out and thank you to my amazing editor, German at your podcast editor. You can check him out on Instagram and Twitter. He edits the audio conversations I have with my guests, and he does such an amazing job. And he is such a nice person, very encouraging. So check him out at your podcast editor. If you want to help support the podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and review as it helps other people to find the podcast and listen as well. There is also financially, if you want to help support the podcast, you can check out buymeacoffee.com backslash podcast. Come follow me on the socials on Twitter at Steph underscore Ann underscore web on Instagram, Stephanie underscore Ann underscore web. And you can check out my website, www.stephanieandweb.com, where you can check out the podcast, my blog, and I also have a link on there to buy my children's book, What Should Dragon Do? The main character in the book is called Dragon and her adventures living with her two bear roommates. The book consists of three little stories of different circumstances, living with people, and how the tiny things can drive us crazy, and our emotions, and how we react can affect others. I appreciate you. I thank you so much for listening. Now go out there and make it a great day. Bye!